Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. John Norman and his wife Chantel are lead pastors of Soul Church Norwich, East Anglia, which is part of the Hillsong family of churches and was launched in July 2014. He is also a chaplain of Norwich City Football Club, the Canaries. John is committing to introducing people to a passionate relationship with God and encouraging them to discover the unique destiny and purpose that he has for each person. John's message characterized by a deep love for people, speaks across generations and cultures. He is the author of Unmask, Dare to be the Real You, a story of acceptance and freedom in Christ, which extends an invitation to unmask ourselves, peel back the layers we present to the world, and enter into the abundant life that Jesus has made available for us. John and Chantel are blessed with a daughter, Miracle Joy, and a son, Justice Murray. Please join me in welcoming John Norman to the Pursuit of God Conference 2021. Hi everyone, so honored to be with you at Jesus House Conference 2021. My name is Pastor John Norman, and my wife and I, Chantel, we lead Soul Church UK based here in Norwich, England. And we want to send our love. We absolutely adore your pastors, Pastors Agu and Shola. And you guys are just standouts. And we look up to you. Uh, we love you. We honor you for the work. And thank you for blazing a trail for uh, leaders like us to be able to follow. And one of the things I love about your pastors, I love about Jesus House is you stand for the truth and you fear God more than anything else. And it is just so refreshing and admirable. So thank you, thank you, thank you from our home to your home. We love you. And uh, I pray that over these next few minutes, as we uh, share God's word together, as we pray together, I pray that you just feel our hearts, God's heart, God's presence in your life. And I love the theme for this conference, a new day of destiny, because I believe that's exactly what God wants to do. He wants to place and plant new seeds of destiny into your life, into your family, into your marriage. So come on, let's pray together. If you're sitting down, why don't you stand up? We're going to honor God's word. We're going to believe God for just a fresh encounter this evening. So Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to speak a word of hope, to speak destiny, Father God, into our church family uh, down there in London. Father, we just love them, Father. We love what, God, you're doing through the Jesus House movement, Father. And I pray, Father, tonight, it would be not be by might, not by power, but by your spirit. Father, I pray that people would just feel a fresh sense of courage and strength in their souls. In Jesus' name, come on, shout it out together. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I want to broadcast some good news tonight. Is that okay? You know, we've had a, a lot of bad news and a lot of kind of negativity over the last 18 months. And by the way, well done for the incredible work you've done in 
feeding your local community. We've been watching on from a distance and, uh, you know, through the, through the various initiatives that you've been a part of, we've just been inspired how you just loved on some of those people that are feeling the hurt and the, you know, the challenge of this season that we've all been going through. So I want to broadcast some good news and I'm here to let you know that God is still for you. God is still with you. God is still on the throne. God is still on our side. And uh, I don't know what you're facing right now, but I want to encourage you, you're going to get through this. And, you know, John 10.10 says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill and destroy. And uh, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and live life in its abundance. You know, one of the reasons that many people's lives are being destroyed right now, uh, it's not just a virus, it's because of the loss of hope. And when you remove hope, the Bible says, you actually become sick. And I believe we live in a hopeless world right now because people have lost hope. People have put their hope in so many things. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope removed makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And, you know, I was preparing this message for you guys and some things came up on the news and got an email and some challenges. And in that moment, you can actually lose hope and actually feel physically sick. Whenever you remove hope from a person's life, whenever you remove hope from a family and marriage, you can actually become sick. And that's what Solomon, King Solomon was saying in there. But I thank God that Jesus' house, your pastors, they are committed to bringing hope into your homes in this season. They are committed to bring hope through the local church. And, you know, the church building might have been closed over the last few months, uh, but hope is never closed. There is always hope in Jesus. And so many people right now are living in sick and despair because they've lost hope. And, you know, depression, anxiety, stress, they're all byproducts of what happens when we lose hope in our lives. And our world is looking for hope right now. And I'm so thankful for churches like Jesus House, that they're committed to bringing the glorious hope of the gospel into our cities and our world. You know, we can look for hope in many things. You can look for hope in sport. I know your your pastor is a big Chelsea fan. Well, the Canaries, the mighty Canaries are coming after those Lions next season in the Premier League. Bring it on. But, you know, people look for hope in sport, but you know, people have had that stripped away from them. We've not been able to attend in-person matches. Maybe People, you've looked for hope in your job and, you know, you've been furloughed or you've been, you've been laid off. And we can look for hope in all different things that ultimately might not bring true fulfillment. My favorite Bible character is King David. You know, I'm sure you've heard of him. If you've been coming to church uh, for the last few months, years, you'll have heard of David. He's the guy who killed a bear, killed a lion, and most famously killed a nine-foot giant. And Israel are at war and David's on the battlefront. He's fighting the Philistines and he gets news that he's lost a loved one. And maybe like David in this last 18 months of this pandemic, or maybe you've received news recently, you've lost a loved one or there's been a tragedy in your family. And, you know, you, 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 you can feel the pain that maybe David felt. And David is full of fear in that moment and David loses hope. Yet he says this honest cry from his heart. It's in Psalm 27, 13. It's our key scripture for tonight. And I just love the vulnerability of David in this moment. And he says this, he says, I would have lost hope unless I had believed that I will see 
the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wow, I love that scripture. Maybe you've come to this conference. Maybe you've lost hope. Maybe you've given up. Even said, maybe I'm, I'm done with church. I'm done with conferences. I'm even done with my faith. I've got a message tonight and it's called Hope is on the Way. That's the title of my message because I believe God is going to bring hope into your situation. So how do we hold on to hope in a world that offers very little? We get the answer from this one verse. If you're taking notes, you can just jot these things down because maybe you've lost hope. Maybe you've lost hope in your marriage. Maybe you've lost hope in your business. Maybe you've just lost hope in life in general. I want to speak a word of hope right into your home, right into your situation, right into every area of your life. Number one is this. David said this, I would have lost hope unless I had believed. Number one, we've got to continue to hope in God's word. He said, unless I had believed. You know, the Bible is still the number one best-selling book. So far today, 3.4 trillion copies of this book have been sold. Wow. You know, there's a reason that more copies than any other book in history are sold. is because this book, the word of God, is alive. God's word fills people with hope. You know, I like to read the newspapers and uh, catch up with world affairs and what's happening in our city, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm told the ratio of good news to bad news in the media is now 70 to 1. 70 negative reports to one positive report. You know, the Bible, it's just a positive report that fills us with hope. The media might fill you with fear, but God's word fills you with hope. You know, a lot of people are, are in fear right now, fear of a, a new wave or fear of a, a new strain of this virus. And fear has been best described like this. Fear is like a rocking chair. It might give you something to do, but you don't go anywhere. And I want to encourage you tonight, you can step out of that rocking chair and you can begin to fill your life with hope. You see, whatever we feed in life will grow. If you feed your fears, they're going to grow. Here's the good news. If you feed your faith, it also grow. And David realized this. He said, unless I had believed. Where does David's hope come from? It comes from God's word. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. The media might fill you with fear, but God's word can fill you with faith tonight. Faith to believe again. Faith for breakthrough. Faith for miracles. Faith the impossible. I'm getting excited here because I'm seeing God moving on your heart. Come on, believe it right now. Come on, somebody begin to clap your hands. Begin to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You know, 10 minutes in God's word in the morning could wipe away a day's work of fear. Like many of you, I have many important meetings to get to in my day, starting with getting my kids to school. I try and get them there on time, although I fail. I've got two little ones, Miracle Joy, she's nine, going on 19. And my son, Justice, he's six, and he just likes to break things. And uh, they're both amazing. And I have to try and get them to school on time and get their packed lunches made. Well, actually, my wife does that. And then I head into work and meetings and board meetings and all the various uh, you know, various responsibilities that we all carry throughout our day. But there's one meeting that's more important than all, and I call it tea with God. There we go. I've got a cup of tea here. I love tea. Cup of good Yorkshire tea. Yorkshire tea is the best tea, just to let you know that. 
but I have a moment in the morning called tea with God. And it might just be for 15 minutes, but it's a moment where I sit before I walk. It's a moment where I take time to talk to God, listen to God. And I want to encourage you before you head into your day, before you head into the stresses, the challenges, before you can head into your destiny, it begins by taking time just to sit and listen and talk to God. Say, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this day. God, I'm not sure how I'm going to get through the meeting with the solicitor. I don't know how I'm going to handle the situation I'm facing, but God, I need you to speak to me. And in that moment, begin to believe again. You see, right living begins with right believing. As you begin to read God's word and begin to wash your mind, he begins to restore your soul, replenish you, strengthen you for whatever lies ahead for this day. And I want to encourage you, if I know some of you, you're, you're full pelt in life and it's the next meeting and it's do, do, do and go, go, go. God gets that, but he wants some time with you. How precious to spend a few moments together feeding on God's word. I can feel God's presence here. And my prayer is if you haven't read your Bible lately, I pray you don't feel condemned. I pray you do feel hungry. If you haven't spent time with God in prayer, God is just longing to spend time with you. He loves you, my friend. David realized to get through this sense of loss in this hopeless situation, number one, he had to hope in God's word. The second thing we can pull out of this passage is it says, I will see the goodness of the Lord. What is he talking about there? Number one, you've got to hope in God's word. Number two is we hope through our confession. If you're writing things down, I want you to write down what I'm about to say because I think it could help you in the season that you're facing, help you as you go towards your destiny. Is David confesses the goodness of God even though he's not experiencing the goodness of God. One of the biggest challenges right now especially when we've been separated from family and friends for so long. Maybe you're disconnected from being able to get to your, your country or maybe you can't carry on with your career or get to university, whatever challenge you face. But one of the, the challenges for me is to keep confessing the goodness of God, even though I'm not experiencing it. David had just experienced the loss of a loved one, yet he said, I will see the goodness of God. He wasn't experiencing the goodness of God. He was still confessing it. You know, we desire a God who serve a God who desires to bless us. God wants to bless you. God wants you to release your faith. As you begin to confess that I will see, a lot of us are good at saying what we're not seeing, but we've got to start confessing what we're believing to see. You know, one of the questions I get asked more than any, any right now and as a pastor is why do, why do bad things happen to good people? Does anyone else ask that question? I also get asked why do good things happen to bad people, but that's for another sermon. Why do bad th things happen to good people? I think David must have been asking himself a pretty similar uh, situation. Are you ready for the answer? I'm going to answer it. You don't need to buy a book. I'm going to answer it. Are you ready? I don't know. I don't know. And I've reached the conclusion is that life is not always about understanding. Life is about trusting. God is sovereign. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And in this season in your life, in this season as you track towards your destiny, you've got to make a decision 
that if you spend your whole life trying to understand everything that's happened to you, you can actually miss so much around you. And I've actually come to the reality that some questions will be unanswered this side of eternity. So do I understand? Did David understand why he'd lost a loved one? Do I understand why God allows us to go through so many things? No, but I still trust him. God is still sovereign. God is still my father. God is still good even when life is bad. David's confession is, I will see the goodness of the Lord. I was never much of an academic at school, and I really disliked exam season. So for all those who are taking GCSEs, you are doing your A-levels degree, my heart goes out to you. And one of the reasons I didn't like it is sitting in that exam hall and not being able to speak. I'm a kind of love socializing and talking and creating some mischief. So I couldn't do any of that in the exam hall. And I remember one, 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 one exam, it was a maths exam and it was multiple choice. Now, the only good thing about exams with multiple choice is there is a small chance, just a small chance you could get it right, even if you hadn't studied. A, B, C, D, or E, if in doubt, always D. Okay, just a little tip for you. And I remember uh, in this maths exam, just being really just stumped on this, one quest on this one exam question. And I remember looking up and there I could see the teacher, the invigilator in the exam hall. And she just looked at me and I looked at her and we were having kind of this eyeball boxing match. And I know what she was thinking and she knew what I was thinking. I was thinking if you were just to walk over here and just point your finger, at one of those multiple choice answers, I would be good to go. And she was thinking, if you'd have just studied for the test, you wouldn't be looking at me right now. And so, hey, I, I, didn't, I didn't pass that exam, but I do remember this. I do remember God's Spirit showing me this, that the teacher is always quiet during the test. And I don't know what test you're facing right now. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've been furloughed in your job. Maybe you're facing a situation in your home, in your, in your marriage. I don't know what the situation is. And you feel right now that God has gone quiet on you. But God doesn't go quiet on us to punish us. He goes quiet to grow us. Because God is teaching us some things in this season. God is teaching us how to rely on Him. And so I want to encourage you. That David said, he said, I would see the goodness of God. Maybe the teacher's quiet right now. Maybe things have gone really, really off, off, off the grid. But David's saying, I will see the goodness of God. I don't understand right now. I don't, I don't get what's going on in my life, but I will see God's goodness in my life. I wonder what you're believing God to see right now. What's the one thing that God's gone quiet on you right now? Maybe it is that new job. Maybe it's a new mode of transport. Maybe it's, you want a holiday or whatever it is. And God is saying, would you just cast your cares on me? Would you begin to confess it even though you're not seeing it? Start seeing yourself in Christ. Ephesians 1.3 talks about, as Christ is, so am I. In Jesus, you are healed. In Jesus, you are protected. In Jesus, your mind is free. In Jesus, you will make it. In Jesus, you have everything you need. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We've been singing in this song in, 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 our, in our church over the last 12 months. And it's, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. God is doing far more in the background of your life than the forefront. He never stops working. He never stops working. 
I want to encourage you, don't talk in a way that the enemy gets power in your life. Refuse negative conversations in your, in your home. Refuse to entertain so much COVID and corona talk around your children. Refuse to believe everything that you're reading and hearing in the media. I want to encourage you to change your confession. Don't become a negaholic. Keep continuing to spread God's goodness and his love in our world. I'm so grateful that I'm still alive. I'm so grateful that I'm full of health. I'm so grateful that I'm blessed. Come on, we got to keep confessing God's goodness. Would you just take a minute right now? I don't know where you are and throw your hands up in the air. Begin to clap your hands. Begin to declare to God, God, you've been so, so good. Even when life is bad, you've been good. Come on, we're going to come through this the other side. We're going to trust God for favor in your business. We're going to stay strong. We're going to stand firm on the word of God. I heard an interview with the father, uh, Richard Williams, the father of tennis legends, Serena and Venus Williams, on the radio a few months ago. And Richard was asked, said, when did you start telling Venus and Serena that they'd be world champions? What a great question. I was thinking maybe, maybe when they're 13, 14, they showed some gifting towards uh, tennis. And this is what Richard Williams said. He said, before they were born, before they were born. I think that's a pretty powerful thing that the, the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. I got challenged because I wonder what I'm speaking over my children. Your children, they might be little tinkers, but they're going to make it. They're going to do well. Start speaking strength. Start speaking God's protection. I'm already praying right now for godly partners for my children and spouses for my children. I'm already praying God's favor and protection. I want to encourage you, even at a young age, even when they're in the, the mother's womb, begin to speak the word of God. Play worship music. Begin to fill your home with laughter and joy. Start confessing the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Faith has to be spoken. Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. He who is promised will be faithful. You see, what we say and what we see need to be different. What we say in life and what we see. Right now, what we see is, you know, restrictions. What we see is churches half full. What we see is a lot of hurting and broken and messed up individuals because of what's happened over the last 18 months. That's what we see. But what we say is the church of the living God is alive. Jesus said, I will build my church. Let me tell you, there's been a whole lot of things that have been tried to stop the church, but the church of the living God is alive. It's going to come back stronger. I'm going to keep confessing the word of God over the church, over my family. What you see and what you say needs to be different. Just because you see it, you don't need to say it. I want to encourage you to keep speaking God's word, that God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Keep speaking God's word. I want to share a secret with you. Who likes secrets? Okay, make sure you don't share this with anyone else. All right, this is just between us. This is what I do when bad news arrives. Because bad news arrives, it could be in the form of an invoice to the church. and We haven't budgeted for it. It could be a bad health report. It could be a whole lot of things. 
we've kind of coined this phrase in our church and we've been saying this for the last two years. Four words. Whenever bad news, whenever we experience negativity, these are four words we say. We say, this belongs to God. This belongs to God. We're building a new nine million pound uh, purpose-built facility for our city, a 1200 seater with kids facilities and it's going to be amazing, 60,000 square feet of building. And you know, the challenge is we've got some, there's a faith gap involved in that building. But here's what I say every day. This belongs to God. I want to encourage you to speak this belongs to God over your marriage. It might seem impossible right now. It might seem impossible for your children because they're away from God. But keep reminding that this belongs to God. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. This belongs to God. Somebody needs to hear it today. Somebody needs to speak it out today. you got to hope in God's word. you got to hope for your confession. Next time someone shares with you some bad news, just say, hey, just before, just before you carry on, I just need to interrupt you because this belongs to God. It's not bad news which defines my day, my year, or my life. It's the glorious good news of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you, bad news belongs to to God. I just feel the presence of God right now. Some of you, you've received some bad news even today. Some of you have received some bad news at work. Some of you have received some bad news in the post. You know what we do? We've got these stamps. I wish I could send every single one of you, but you can do this with a red pen. Just get a big, red, thick marker pen and just write over the top of them. This belongs to God. The red stands for the precious blood of Jesus. And just remind yourself daily that God is in control of every detail of your life. You might say, well, it, you know, I, I, I generally, I, it, this is just too small or too big for God. Nothing is too small and nothing is too big for God. Let me tell you a funny story about this belongs to God. We had a lady in our church and uh, she got a parking ticket. And I don't know, it was 120, 140 pounds, but she was a dear lady and she generally couldn't afford to pay it. She'd made a mistake and she came to see me and she said, John, Pastor John, she said, you know, and I said, well, why don't we write this belongs to God? So we had these red stamps and we stamped it. This belongs to God and we sent it in and miraculously it just disappeared. Now, I'm not giving you permission. Okay, I'm not telling you to stamp your parking tickets. I'm not telling you to, spa to, to, to stamp all your, your various speeding tickets. I don't think God works like that. I think we need to obey the laws of the land and all those things. But I will say this. Sometimes we make mistakes and God's grace is bigger. Sometimes God just intervenes. And God is bigger than a parking ticket. God is bigger than any situation you might be facing right now. Come on, let's pray. Father, I speak life. I speak hope into every situation. It could be a parking ticket. It could be a sickness. It could be a marriage issue. Father, we declare right now, I declare over this conference, this belongs to God. However small, however big, Father God, it belongs to you. We give you our situation right now. I just want you to let it go. Release it. This belongs to God. This is not your care anymore. This is God. Trust him. Trust him right now. We release it to you. We release it to you in Jesus' name. I've got one more. Are you ready? Got a hope 
in God's word. We've got a hope for our confession. And number three is hope with like-minded people. David realized in a time of mourning, in a time of loss, in a time of grief, in a time of extreme disappointment, that the company he kept was critically important. He said, I would have lost hope unless I had believed that I will see the goodness of God. Where's he going to see it? In the land of the living. David understood that his hope was in God's word. He realized that he needed to renew his mind and confess God's goodness, even when he wasn't experiencing God's goodness. But also, who he spent his time with determined who he would become. And he says these three, four words. He says, the land of the living. What's he talking about? He's talking about connecting with people of similar values, connecting with people who are life-giving. You know, there are many laws out there which define our life. There is the, the, the law of entropy. That law says that anything left to itself will self-destruct. According, uh, that also goes for your children. If you leave them alone long enough, they will self-destruct. <laughs> Just a joke. The law of gravity, which says anything that goes up must come down, apart from your age. Okay. But there's a law which is stronger than even the law of gravity or the law of entropy. It's called the law of association. And the law of association says this. It says you become like those you mix with. And I know that when we're disappointed and when we're hurt, when we're upset, the easiest thing to do is to go and find places that we're just going to find sympathy or people who may be a little bit cynical or critical or negative towards the church. I want to encourage us in a time of disappointment, this is a time where we put our roots down even deeper. I'm so encouraged that so many of you have joined us for this conference because this is a land of the living conference. Your pastors, Pastor Agu and Sola, you guys are the real deal. I'm so grateful that you're in our lives. I encourage you at this time to keep, keep surrounding yourself with land of the living people. Keep surrounding yourself with people who build your help. Bring out the best in you. Help you grow. You know, I'll be honest. I've been, we've been leading Soul Church for seven years this month. But I have never seen anyone's life move forward by pulling back from church. Never. And even in the hardest times, the darkest times. I remember my dad passed away 11 years ago. My mom, he passed away on a Sunday morning. And that afternoon, mom said, we're going to church tonight. And it was the last place I wanted to go. She said, John, we need to be found in God's house because of strength. I left church after that night and I felt this overwhelming sense of peace. Because even though I'd experienced loss and death, I was in the land of the living. Jesus' house is the land of the living. It's not a perfect church, just like Soul Church isn't a perfect church. Why? Because guys like, guys like me attend. But here's the thing, it is the land of the living. And I want to encourage you. Just, you know, the old saying goes, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Keep planted in God's house. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. Stay in your small groups. Stay discipled. David was going through one of the hardest moments of his life. Yet he realized that he had to choose his companions really carefully. When Chantel and I were making plans to pioneer Soul Church, there were a lot of negative voices out there. By the way, when you ever step out 
to do something for God or whether it's in business, whether it's pioneering, whatever that is, you'll always have negative voices. There'll always be people around you who want to tell you you shouldn't or tell you another way to do something. And uh, sometimes they're people who are even close to you. This this really well-meaning gentleman, he said, John, whatever you do, don't go to Norwich. It's a graveyard. I thought, well, this is positive. It's a graveyard for pastors. It's a graveyard for churches. And in that moment, I felt this sense of, just felt low. I felt like I was making a bad choice, but then I remembered the promises of God. I remember the promise that God gave us when we were living in South Africa about building a church here in the UK. I had to make a decision that I wasn't going to be around people who didn't believe in the dream that God placed in our hearts. We've got to get around people who believed. And I, I made it a choice to get around some people, including your pastors. And every time I'm around them, I feel better. Why? Because they build you up. I want to encourage you to get in a small group, join a team, get in church, plant yourself around people that are in the land of the living and keep going to church. Keep tuning in online, whatever your preference is right now, but keep, keep doing what you're doing because we need to be in the land of the living. This year, six months left, just over six months, I'm encouraged to make a decision to stay and remain planted in God's house. Hope with like-minded people. Psalm 27, verse 13 says, I would have lost hope unless I had believed that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. How do we keep hope? in our world, which offers us very little. Number one is we hope in God's word. Maybe you need to write down some scriptures, write down some verses which are applied to your situation right now. Maybe if you're in lack, maybe you write down Philippians 4.19, that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. Write it out, put it in the bathroom, put it next to your bed. And every time you open your eyes, begin to speak God's word. Hope for our confession. Make a decision every day, you're going to confess God's goodness. Even when life's bad, you continue to confess God's goodness. Three, we're going to hope with like-minded people. We're going to keep hoping with people in our group, people in our church. We need each other. You know what? As this world gets darker, we need each other. We need each other. We need to open the word of God and shine his light into this situation. We need men and women. The Bible says the iron sharpens iron. And as we come together and we open God's word, we continue to shine his light on some of these situations and these issues that are arising. We're going to be men and women who speak the truth in confidence and boldness, but we can't do it on our own. We need one another. I need you and you need me. Hope, hope. Jesus' house, I am declaring that hope is on the way. Hope is on the way into your school. Hope is on the way into your community. Hope is on the way into, in, into your marriage. I speak hope right now in Jesus' name. I want to just declare a declaration over you and your family, over every area. Would you close your eyes? I don't know where you are right now, but God does. God does. Would you say these words out loud? Father God, today, I thank you that you are my hope. You are my hope, and in you alone, I put my trust. 
as I face all the challenges that life throws at me this week, I am confident that you are with me. I will hope in your word. I confess favor over every area of my life. I declare I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I will lend to many and borrow from none. I thank you that my greatest victories are ahead of me. I refuse to entertain negative conversations this week. I am going to live in the land of the living. I will see the goodness of God in my life. And I confess that hope is on the way. Amen. Amen. Right now, I want to pray for another group of people. My prayer is, and we never close a service without giving people an opportunity to receive the giver of hope, Jesus Christ. I pray that even as I was speaking, maybe someone invited you to the conference, maybe you're watching for the first time. I don't know your story, but God does. And he loves you, my friend. He loves you so much. He sent Jesus to this earth to die for you. If you were the only one, he would have still took that punishment on your behalf. And today you can receive forgiveness of sins. You can receive purpose for today and hope for tomorrow. You see, you can't experience hope until you're in relationship with hope. And that relationship begins by opening up your heart to Jesus. I think so many people may say, I'm not good enough for God. I'm not good enough for his love. Here's the good news. None of us are. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You're in really good company today, my friend. You feel you're not good enough. That's exactly what qualifies you for his love and his grace. But this can be a turning point for you where you let go of your past. You give God your disappointment, your disillusionment. And you make a decision today to put your hands in God's hands. You become a follower of Jesus. Does that mean if I follow Jesus that all my problems will disappear overnight? Unfortunately not. What it does mean is that you'll have someone right beside you every day when you face each of your problems. So I'm going to pray over you and then the team are going to let you know some next steps to take from here. But I really feel that many people are going to make their peace with God tonight. So would you say this prayer out loud after me? This is like one of David's confessions. This is a confession from your heart. You receive the giver of hope. Dear Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died on the cross for me. I thank you that three days later he rose again. Tonight, I am sorry for living life my own way. I repent of my sin. I turn from my old life. And I walk into a new life with you. I am now a follower of Jesus. I commit the rest of my life to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow, if you said that prayer, please let someone know. The next step, this isn't, this isn't the end. It's the beginning of a glorious new adventure. The next step is to uh, speak to someone and, we want to get you a Bible. We want to help you from this decision in this moment forward. 
I want to just do one more thing before I hand back over to the team at Jesus' house. I want to, I want to pray. I want to speak a word of hope right now into, into Jesus' house, into the church. We love you guys, and we know that there's some choppy waters ahead for all of our churches and the various challenges and situations we all face, but you guys are a standout church. You're a city on a hill. You, you're a church that thousands of other leaders and churches look up to all over the world. And I want to pray for your pastors. I want to pray for your church. I want to speak hope right now because sometimes even as leaders we lose hope i'll be honest we lose hope there's times where we think how are we going to get through another day how are we going to get through another week so i i just felt just this we, we're to lift your hands up pastors agu and shola we're to lift your hands up in this time we want you to know that we love you but more than that we stand with you so father i just want to pray right now for this incredible church jesus house it has literally impacted this nation, Father. And we know, Father God, that there's so many things that are attacking the church globally in this country right now. But we thank you that no weapon formed against it shall prosper. And Father, we've been speaking hope right now into our individual lives. But I speak hope right now. I speak hope into the church. I speak hope into the leadership. I speak hope into the future. I pray, Father, today, even tonight, you would plant new dreams, fresh vision, new ideas and strategy to reach more people. I thank you, Lord, that the best days are in front of us, not behind us. Lord, I pray especially for the leadership team that you'd give them wisdom. You'd give them understanding. Lord, I pray that they would surround each other just as David did in the land of the living. Father, I speak blessing and protection over them. We thank you, God. You promise you're going to continue to build the church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. We love you, God. We declare again, hope is on the way. Amen. Amen. Well, church, it's been an absolute honor to be with you. Thank you. I pray the rest of this conference will encourage you, inspire you to live out the destiny which God has placed in your heart and in your lives. From our hearts to your heart, from our home to your home, we love you. I pray that our paths are going to cross in person one day soon. We're coming out of this pandemic. We're moving into our God-given destiny. And if God is for us, who can be against us? God bless. 